Welcome to episode 50 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be discussing how to structure your workouts when you have limited time, why foam rolling is important, how to know the best squat stance for you, and how to take creatine. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 50. Wow. Pretty crazy. crazy. A little little bit of a milestone. Um, I remember, I mean, I think we, so we bought the podcast equipment last October or so, and it took me, the first time we unboxed everything, we were ready to put on the show, and I think it took me two hours to figure out what was going on, and then realize that I bought the wrong piece of, like, interface to actually connect the two mics together, and that became a whole process of returning that and then getting the new one. And then, like, there was a whole learning curve with the new interface. And it was, like, I think it took a good 10 to 15 episodes before the sound quality became okay. Like, it's still not even excellent, but it became uh, pretty manageable. But, um, yeah, pretty crazy that we're here now and kind of, like, it's kind of like, you know, on learning anything or starting on any kind of, like, path. Like, the, the first, like, quarter of your journey is going to be pretty difficult. You just have to kind of, like push through all like the little like frustrations that happen so a little little minor analogy there (laughs) yeah I feel like I remember us saying because we talk to people about that so much about like in terms of fitness journey like don't we know that in in the beginning it can feel really foreign it can feel uncomfortable things are we promise things will start feeling more natural and so to know that going into this was really fun it's like a funny feeling right yeah like we know we're kind of gonna stink at this a little bit at the beginning but we just had to like we also know that there's no way to get better at it besides just going and doing it so yeah probably i haven't gone back and listened to the first couple episodes but they're probably a little uh a little rough yeah 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 don't, don't listen to <laughs> you, those. you don't need to listen to this maybe um, go back like 25 and that's probably good yeah and then i was just looking at my uh, phone before we started this and i have um as far as notifications go i have over 38,000 unread emails oh my God. and i know lauren is a very inbox zero person <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why do you she gets bring so that up? stressed out every time she sees my screen. But I actually get more stressed out. I, I, I want the complete opposite direction <laughs> of getting more stressed out if I see any notification, right? Because So, like, if you see anything, like that little red bubble, then you, you have to go and click it if you're an inbox zero person. Otherwise, you get all anxious and stressed out. But if you have 38,000 unread <laughs> messages, then you can just go about you know, living, living your day until you get, you had the time for it. So it actually de-stresses me to know that it's not that important to inbox zero it. I'm happy that it works for you. (laughs) (laughs) But it just goes to show you can be successful in whatever approach you take. That's true. That is true. All right, let's get started with the questions today. So the first one was actually a comment in one of our Instagram posts, but we thought it would actually be a really good topic for the podcast. So this was from um, someone named Chris Patterson, and he said, these are great tips, but in a busy schedule, I'm struggling to get 45 minutes to do the core of my workouts in. How do you add all these extra bits without adding a huge amount of time? Yeah. And yeah, this was on like a, I think it was like a stretch or something like that. Or yeah, a mobility some sort of drill. mobility thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think when reading that, I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I mean, it must seem a little bit overwhelming because we, we I mean, we post two times a day on Instagram and we throw out so many different tips. Like, I think people sometimes might get overwhelmed with being like, oh, I have to do all these things every right. single time I work out. So it becomes a little bit um, overwhelming, right? Yeah, it can feel like 
you can't possibly, and you can't possibly do it all at right. once. Um, and so, yeah, we were, we were just discussing this earlier and we were like, yeah, man, how do we, like, it's hard because we want to give you all this information. We want to show you all the different mobility drills that we use and stretches that we use and strengthening exercises that we use, but we don't use them all in every workout. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's <laughs> important to know. And so when he was talking about having 45 minutes, um, and I think what he was trying to get at is like, how much time do I really dedicate of that 45 minutes to maybe like mobility work or breathing or things that don't feel as taxing maybe, um, but are still really important Mm -hmm. and how do you squeeze that in plus get your strength training in plus get a little bit of cardio in all in a 45 minute window. Um, and there's definitely ways to do that. So yeah, we would recommend, we always recommend starting out with some mobility work first. Um, we usually, if you only have 45 minutes, we'd say spend no longer than 10 minutes there. Yeah, yeah, I'll say probably about 10 minutes of foam rolling, breathing, just general mobility work. And then, like, you, you, you're not going to be able to do it a very extensive warm-up, so you might as well utilize stretches that are going to most impact that workout that you're going to do that day. Right. So if you're going to be doing um, squatting uh, that day as, your, like, your primary compound movement for that day, then it would uh, behoove you to do exercises that are lower body mobility focused. Whereas if your main exercise for the day was a bench press, maybe some T-spine or some shoulder openers would be kind of like best suited for that day, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, anything that you might have going on personally that like, you know, you need to work on. Like if you personally know you have really tight hip flexors and that constantly is a struggle for you, making sure that you're always doing some sort of hip flexor opener at the beginning of your workout, Mm -hmm. um, just as a general stretch. But then otherwise focusing that warm up on uh, the workout, like preparing yourself for the workout that you're about to do. Yeah. But yeah, if you have like if you have if your ankle mobility is pretty good, then you can probably skip that unless you're doing something very specifically uh, that requires ankle mobility, like a squatting pattern and that sort of thing. So, yeah, about 10 minutes for the warm up overall. Yeah. And we then would go into sometimes we would most of the time we would go into some sort of power development with our with our members. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that you could skip, I would yep. say. Um, so if you don't have a lot of time or if you don't have a place to like throw medicine balls. <laughs> um, but we like a little <laughs> bit of power development, like medicine ball throw or um, uh, later on something like Olympic lifting as you get more. Um, yeah, it just gets your nervous system really primed for whatever strength training activity that you're doing. Um, you know, definitely if someone was um competing in some sort of sport, we would definitely have about five to 10 minutes devoted to that power training. Um, But for someone who's just looking to get a workout in, just trying to make sure that they stay on top of their health and fitness lifestyle, then um, you could probably skip it as well. It's It's not necessarily like mandatory. Yeah. Or you can add some sort of power movement to your warm up. Like the last thing in your warm up should be a squat yeah. jump or something like that where you're just kind of like getting a little bit more explosive. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then we would go in right into the strength training. So now you've taken probably 10 to 12 minutes at max um, mm-hmm. of that 45 minutes. So the strength training we think should be about a half hour, um, which mm-hmm. is a perfect amount of time. So that would accumulate to 40 ish minutes and then five minutes at the end to do uh some energy systems like cardio training Mm -hmm. so in that strength training workout we just recommend we've gone over programming a lot um so we won't go too into detail but basically we recommend focusing on like a main lift in the beginning where it's the the thing that you need the most strength for put that in the beginning so if you're going to be doing heavy squats or deadlifts or bench press or pull-ups try to put that first and then do some more accessory type movements after that um, 
Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we want to go too much deeper into that. Um, yeah, probably not. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, just pin- just pinpointing really, like, have, like, a focus for that day. So whether it's a squat or a bench or a pull-up, like Lauren just talked about, have a focus. And then, yeah, you utilize accessory movements um, after that. Um, yeah, I-, I would say that's that's probably pretty much all, all we need to do on that front. Yeah. And then after that, uh, probably about five minutes of energy systems training, whether it's, like, a quick little finisher, like like kettlebell swings or rope intervals or pushing a sled or um, using an Airdyne bike or jumping on the treadmill, just some sort of quick little conditioning at the end. And this part isn't really even mandated mandated either. Like, again, if someone is looking to improve their conditioning or is an athlete, then, yeah, we probably have them put it in there and kind of take away a little bit of the strength, but not necessarily uh, you have to do this thing. So, yeah. 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 Um, and then I don't know, a couple of minutes of stretching and then you're pretty much good to go. Yeah. So it's, it could, we can see how it could feel really overwhelming. Definitely looking at our Instagram page. If you're like, Oh, I need to do all of this. Like yeah. <laughs> there's no way you could do that in 45 minutes. Another really um, nice way of trying to break it up is to work in a program rather than making up random workouts every single day for yourself. So if mm. you write yourself a program where you're following the same routine for about four weeks and then you change it up, then you can say like, okay, I'm going to pick these like six or seven mobility drills that I'm going to do at the beginning of my workouts every, every day, um, for this month. And then next month I'm going to pick six completely different ones that all kind of target the same areas, but Mm -hmm. are just different movements that might feel good to me, might feel a little bit different. Um, and that way you're not always just like trying to randomly pull from different places. Yeah. That might help you to structure it a little bit better and to feel a little bit less overwhelmed. Yeah. And then not only that, just having it on paper, like, you know, exactly what's coming up next. So you can just jump right to it as opposed to me like, um, you know, well, I could do a hip flexor stretch now, or I could do a glute bridge or, and then all of a sudden, like suddenly your time's gone. Right. So, yeah. um, just having that on a piece of paper with the sets and reps and like kind of the tempo that you want to keep, um, it just helps to keep you on track, um, for that workout. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Question number two, this one comes from Adrian Servetnik. He's actually an achiever. Yeah. Um, and he said, can you talk about foam rolling and why does it work? Okay, so foam rolling is, um, this has kind of been like a very like um, hotly researched topic over the last 10 years or so. Um, And initially what people thought was happening with foam rolling was that it broke down muscle adhesions and kind of like um, scar tissue and stuff like that. Um, Later on, what's been shown um, in the research has been that you actually need a lot more force to actually break down muscle knots and adhesions and stuff like that. Um, however, research has shown that there still seems to be quite a bit of benefit in terms of improving short-term range of motion in your muscle tissue um, after foam rolling. And so what they are hypothesizing is that there's some sort of like neurological change that happens when you start to foam roll. Somehow it triggers um, some sort of receptors in your nervous system and it basically tells your brain to kind of like lighten up on the amount of tone that's in that area. And so by foam rolling before your workout, you actually decrease some of that muscle tone and allows you to access a lot more flexibility. Now you foam roll and then right after, if you stretch do some passive and active flexibility drills, then you're able to maintain those short-term benefits from the foam rolling and carry that on into that strength training portion of your workout. 
then you strength train, and then you stretch a little bit after the strength training session, and you do that day in and day out, and suddenly those acute short-term benefits of foam rolling become much more longer-term and much more kind of locked-in flexibility changes. Um, so, you know, there's always like research that happens and people start to freak out and they see like, oh, foam rolling doesn't actually break apart muscle adhesions and knots and stuff like that. Um, and people jump to conclusions saying that, oh, foam rolling is useless, but it's not, that's, it's not what it's saying. It's that there's a different mechanism behind it, but foam rolling is still has been proven to be uh, very helpful. And just anecdotally, like all of our members have had vast benefits from foam rolling and there's foam rolling benefits that you see all across like major sports organizations. And um, yeah, it, it, we would highly recommend some sort of foam rolling before your workouts. Yeah, I think this is this topic is one of the reasons why there needs to be both scientific evidence and anecdotal, like, I don't know if you'd call it evidence or just like um, seeing what happens in real life. Yeah, um, based on people who actually practice it, right? right? With a lot of people, not just like themselves or like one or two clients sort of thing. So Right. Like if we only ever went by the research, sometimes we, we might say like we when we when that foam rolling study first came out, we might have been like, okay, no one no one will foam roll anymore. But yeah. we didn't do that because so many people, number one, enjoyed how it felt, like felt like they were they felt a change. Yeah. So that's great. Like what we don't have to prove whatever is happening because they're feeling something good and beneficial out of it. So mm-hmm. why do we have to go and go up to them? If we went up to them and said, well, just so you know, it's not actually breaking down your muscle tissue. Like what good is that going to do for right. them? Like it's not going to help them. <laughs> and they already feel like they're getting a benefit of the foam roller. For some people, it's just a matter of having that five minutes on a foam roller to relax and not stress and yeah, like, that's true. come down from their day. So there's just so many different levels of why things are good and why things are helpful. And it doesn't always have to be so scientific and so proven um, by the research in order to just say like, hey, you know what? There's no harm in this. Yeah. And I'm feeling a benefit from it. I'm going to keep doing it. And so that's definitely how we feel about foam rolling and also just seeing the actual physical changes that we have seen with people who who incorporate foam rolling daily. Um, it really is. There's obviously something that goes on that does make a difference. Yeah. Um, one visual example um, that we like to use with people that when, when they first come in through our doors to kind of like give them a general understanding of how foam rolling works. Um, it's not like perfectly like physiologically accurate, uh, but it's something that we got from a strength coach named Mike Boyle. Um, and he says, imagine a just a long like resistance band. And from there, tie a couple of knots in that band. And that's basically representative of like, um, you know, just like basic like trigger points and adhesions that might be happening on your muscles. If you just stretch right away, those knots and trigger points and adhesions, they get a little bit um, irritated, they get tighter. But if you take some time to foam roll and kind of relieve those trigger points, it allows you to access a lot more flexibility because you've taken the time to um, kind of like, quote unquote, break them down. But now we're kind of understanding that we're somehow triggering some sort of nervous system response to actually access that flexibility. So that's something that we'd like to use just more as a visual example and visual aid for someone who might like to see things rather than just kind of hear about theory. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Question number three. This one is from Berea M. Cajal. Um, And they said, my question for you is about squat positioning. There has always been that controversy about narrow versus wide squats. One is better than the other. How can you determine which one works better for your clients? 
Um, okay, so it depends on the goal. Like, let's say the person is a power lifter. It would really, again, behoove them. Lauren loves you what love, I use. You love that word. <laughs> behoove them to squat a little bit wider because it helps to limit the range of motion. And you can end up squatting a lot more weight that way. Um, if they were an Olympic lifter, um, having a more of a narrow stance would help because it just helps translate to more of like a front squat catch position of a clean um, but for just general population, just looking to squat and improve their squat numbers, just overall, um, we would actually just have them play around with which stance feels most comfortable for them. So we'll start people off anywhere from like shoulder width apart to feet slightly flared. And then from there, have them squat. And if that feels kind of weird or feels a little bit restricted, we'll just inch them out a little bit further. And then we'll finally figure out um, kind of an optimal stance for them that looks good, but it's also comfortable for them. Um, but we don't have like a very like, you need to squat narrow, you need to squat wide, like find a stance that works well for you and then just stick with it. Yeah, we have a couple things that we're checking for when we have people squat. So we want to make sure that their knees aren't um, coming inside their toes as they squat. Yeah. So oftentimes with too wide of a stance, it's hard for people to also push their knees out that wide to get mm. them to line up with their toes. So they end up with their feet actually outside of their knees at the bottom of the squat. And that's actually a really um, bad position for your knees, really. Um, so in that case, that person may lack some of the like hip external rotation that ne that's required to do that wide stance squat. So we would want to bring them in a little bit narrower. Um, for somebody who, another thing we look at is just kind of like basic mechanics of if the hips are below, can get below the knees and the shoulders stay above the hips and kind of like, are they hitting the angles that we're looking for? Mm -hmm. um, and if they're really narrow and they're kind of like dumping their upper body forward, sometimes that could mean that they're just like lacking in maybe ankle mobility or maybe hip mobility and bring them out a little wider will help them to stay a little bit more upright. Mm -hmm. So there's all these different reasons to go narrower or wider, but they're not, they're all based on the individual. They're not based on what a perfect squat is supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, one other, uh, way that we can kind of like determine optimal hip width for someone to squat is uh, something that we got from um, Dr. Stuart McGill, um, who's, a, I think, a spine researcher in Canada. But he has one little drill that um, basically where he gets the person on all fours and feet and knees about hip width apart. And from there, he has the person just slowly rock back towards their heels. And he just basically notes where at what point their lower back wants to round over. And then from there, he has them come back to that all fours position. And then he has them adjust the knees a little bit wider. Like I'm talking like half an inch to an inch wider. And then he has them repeat the same drill. And he has them repeat that through all different hip ranges of motion. And he figures out where at what point, at what hip width, is this person able to rock back towards their heels without letting their lower back um, round over and be in a compromised position. Um, because being on all fours and rocking back is basically mimicking what a squat pattern in more of an upright standing position would um, uh, it would mimic that position basically. Yeah. Um, so that's one that we like to do for hip position. Yeah, and you may need a you probably need a partner for that to tell you kind yeah. of where where you're starting to round over because it can be hard to feel. Or you can put a water bottle on your lower back. Mm, um, yep. That's also some feedback. So as soon as you start to tuck under, that water bottle will roll off, and you can kind of gauge which where. Which stance helped you get the furthest before the water bottle rolled off? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that for, for this in general, like there's so many 
things out there. There are going to be so many people out there who say like, oh, like never squat narrow because it's bad for this and never squat wide because it's bad (laughs) for this. And you just, anytime somebody gives you those black and white statements of like, this is how you squat or this is the best way to do something. I would always take that with a grain of salt because there really is no best way for a hundred percent of people and everybody has different structure. Everybody has different mobility restrictions, injury histories, and there really is going to be the most comfortable and the most, uh, the safest way for each individual to squat. And it's going to look very different from person to person. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right. And then the last question we got for today, this one comes from farm gal 22, which is really funny. Like I, my favorite number is 22 and I used to work on a farm. So I feel like (laughs) I relate, although it's P H A R M. So I'm assuming maybe she's a pharmacist, but anyway, um, she said, I love your podcast and have a potential question about creatine. I just started taking it, but wondering when is the best time related to my workout? Do I take it even on non-training days? Thanks for all your great content and info. Um, yes, uh, we decided to include a fourth question just because this was, um, I think we've discussed this in previous podcasts. So we'll just give a brief overview. Um, creatine is going to be um, just a really safe um, supplement. It's very heavily researched. Um, it's a naturally occurring substance that happens in your body. So just by ingesting it, you start to increase your stores basically. Um, for our recommendations, we recommend just taking creatine monohydrate. Um, a lot of the other like more expensive versions of it um, are unnecessary creatine monohydrate. You can probably buy for like 11 bucks for like 100 servings or something like that. Um, so it's very affordable. We'd recommend taking five grams per day, even on non-training days. And there's no really need to load it. Um, so some of them recommend taking 25 grams a day for the first five days or so. Um, we think that's unnecessary and can cause some bloating and some like digestive issues. Just take five grams a day every single day and take it after your workouts. Um, and ideally with some sort of carb, um, whether that's like juice or protein shake or whatever it might be, uh, that helps to increase the absorption of that creatine. Cool. Nailed cool. it. I think that's about it. All right. Oh, I thought you were going to oh, oh, take whoops. over my outro there for a second. <laughs> um, so those are all the answers that we have for, to your burning questions today. We would appreciate if you sent us in some more. So if you want to send us a message at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram or send us a email at podcast at AchieveFitnessBoston.com, we'd love to answer your questions. And we would also really love it if you wouldn't mind leaving us an iTunes review. It really helps us out. It helps us to know that you're enjoying what you're hearing. Um, and if you want to ever give us any feedback, you can also also send us a message about ways that you would like to see the podcast um, be improved. So that's about it. Until next time. Peace. Love. And and muscles. muscles.